Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Kingscom. I'm Dana Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is in Sao Paulo, Brazil this weekend for UFC Sao Paulo. Headlined by Derek Lewis versus Jelton Almeida. We'll be breaking down that main event as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. In addition to that, we are loaded up with interviews this week. Kicking off the show, we're talking to Kai Bohayo. Right after that, we're going to be talking to Modestus Bukowskis. And a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Vince Pichel, all fighting down in Brazil this weekend. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. Make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes at all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. It hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA molders, urban fitness freaks, peak bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, and even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode for the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Kai Bohayo, who fights Abus Magomedov at UFC Sao Paulo. That fight is on November 4th. So, you know, before when we talked last time, Kai, you were talking about needing a finish in your last fight. You go out there, you not only do it, you do it in emphatic fashion. So before we get to talking about this fight and all the lead up and stuff like that, tell me, how good did it feel to go in and get your first UFC finish? Oh, oh it was so good to get a finish, bro. Uh, I was ho- hoping to get this finish since my first fight in the UFC, you know. <laughs> Actually, since my first fight in the Contender Series, I was hoping to get a finish because I'm a finisher. I'm a guy that ha- more than half of my fights, when I got into the UFC, I got by 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 finishing my opponents, you know, or a knockout or, or or submission. So after get after finally get this finish, I was so happy. I was like fulfilled because I had a lot of things on my training camps, like. I was doing a lot of work on my finishing, on, on my submission game. And when, when when the fight came, all came along and I'm very happy with it, you know. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned Contender Series on there. I actually wanted to ask you about that as well, because this past Contender Series year was amazing for the Fighting Nerds. The Fighting Nerds was like the talk of the town. You got Gene Silva, you got Mauricio Ruffy, you got, you know, Carlos Praches you've trained with, like, all of those guys are like now the new generation of fighting nerds coming through. What was it like to see, you know, so many of your guys get those contracts and join you in the UFC? Oh, it was like a dream come true, bro. Like, was the same feeling when I got into the UFC, you know, because 
when I came to the UFC, my dream is to bring all my training partners with me, all my team with me, and seeing these guys make making it. You know, it's, it make make my heart feel so good, feel so happy. The guys are working very very hard. Uh, we got four fights in the Contender Series. We got three wins and three contracts. You know, and I'm sure the next year we're gonna have like four or five more, and we're gonna be like, you know. This is the fighting edge takeover that I've been talking about since the beginning. And this is the takeover and the takeover started, you know. So we're very happy. We're very blessed to have all the team with us. And I think it's just the beginning, man. <laughs> I dig it. Now, I, you know, I, I never like asking people this question because sometimes it makes them feel like they're choosing their favorite child. But is there somebody we should have our eye on that will definitely be on next year's Contender Series? There's somebody in your camp who you feel like is ready for that next step? Yeah, for sure. I think you guys need to be taking a look at Jair Farias. The same guy that fought this contender series, he lost. But something happened with him just right before the fight, and the things didn't go the way we wanted, you know? So he's definitely a guy that are going to be there again next year, and you guys will see an amazing show from him, you know? And for sure, I think next year you guys need to take a look in a Cuban wrestler that we have is our Yoel Romero, you know? <laughs> so his name is Giovanni Palacios. He's fighting on LFA on November 3rd. He's in Sao Paulo one day before my fight. He has 6-0, and all six in the first round by finishing. He throws everybody in the air. He's a Greco-Roman <laughs> Cuban wrestler guy. He's so strong. He's 170. And I think he's a great guy for you guys to be watching. <laughs> I dig it. That's a nice little insight right there for future picks. So now let's start to get to talking about your fight because it, it seems like, you know, we're like four or five fights in here and you've done it all. You've co-headlined cards. You've fought all over the world. You know, you've picked up your big finish. You're now not getting a chance to co-headline, but what you are doing is you're fighting in Sao Paulo. So tell me, what does it feel like to get the chance to go home and, and fight in front of the hometown crowd? Bro, I can't wait, bro. I'm so excited. I'm so anxious about it because I have all the crowd cheering for me, like screaming my name and the traditional, you know, you know, this is something crazy and different about the Brazil's crowd. And when when I knew that I was going to fight on this card, I was excited right away. And And I know that, all my people are gonna be pushing me to this victory, you know. I know, like I know that when when we enter the octagon, it's just me and my opponent, you know. But when you have all this crowd and all this energy on you, you know, helping you to get your victory in your in everything that you want, I think they're gonna push me a lot. I think it's gonna make a huge difference inside the fight. And I can't wait, bro. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait either. Now let, let's talk a little bit about your opponent too, because like I said. You've co-headlined cards. You've had big moments in the UFC. You've had those times where it looks like, you know, you're, that you're having your big star moment. But you're fighting a guy who's coming off of a main event. And not only a main event, a main event against the now champion uh, in his last fight. So, you know, not that you can pick one or the other, but is it a bigger moment to be fighting a guy like Abus who, who has had those big shots? Actually, bro, to be honest with you, he, he, he doesn't deserve to fight me, you know, no, he's another time he's getting a fight that he doesn't deserve. 
and the result will be the same. He's not gonna win this fight, you know, because he he in his first fight he won a guy that was four losses in his last five fights, and then the, he he went right away into the rankings to fight Strickland, and you see what Strickland did to him because he didn't deserve the shot. You know, I don't know why the UFC is pushing him, but the UFC know what he's doing. I trust UFC. So, okay, if the only the only thing that made me accept this fight is because he's lost he lost to a champion. You know, and after I beat him, that's what is gonna be my my power. That's what I'm gonna say to everybody. Oh, I just beat a guy that was beaten only by the champion. You know, so I deserve my spot on the top five, on the top 10 to f at least fight with a guys on top five or top 10. I don't care anymore about top 15 because I will be passing all this, you know, after beat him, I, I need a shot on top 10 or top five. And that's why I accepted this fight right away, you know. And has it been frustrating for you that, you know, they keep coming to you with these names who are, you know, they're not ranked guys, but they're like, right there on the edge of being ranked right like abus is you know probably number 17 you know with you being 16 and like is it frustrating that they're not giving you that name that that would catapult you faster uh, a little bit but my mind is not thinking about it this way you know i'm thinking about like uh the more time they pass without giving me the top 10 or top five shot the more I'll be prepared, you know, the more experienced I will be, you know, I will have more fights in the UFC, I'll have more money on my pocket, and I'll be ready when the challenge comes, you know. That's the way my mentality works, you know. Of course, I I I wanted to be a top, a top, a top 15 guy right now, at least, but the, the UFC just said that they don't have the top 15 fight for me right now. I don't know if because they don't want or if because no one wants. So it doesn't matter, you know? Like, uh, as much as time is passing, I'm more prepared, I'm more, I'm, I'm stronger, I'm better, I'm more experienced, and that's the way my mind works, you know? That's the mind of a champion right there. I dig it. So let's, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the style matchup here because you mentioned... He wasn't ready for Strickland, right? Came out in that first round, had a little bit of success. Clearly didn't have anything for him after that. You feel like the same thing is going to happen for you here. So tell us a little bit about what you see as maybe being your biggest advantage here over Abus. Actually, I don't think he's going to come start really, really hard because I think he learned a lesson with Strickland, you know? So maybe he's going to be in doubt of what to do. I think he's going to try to be more composure and, and don't just go with big shots all the time. I think he's going to be more experienced about it after his, his loss to Strickland. And to be honest, I think Abuz is a great fighter. I think he's good on the feet. He's good on the ground. He's a guy from Dagestan, so he has great wrestling for sure. Uh, he's long, just just like Guziboev. But I think my advantage on this fight is that I didn't get anything that I didn't deserve. I I, I earned it, you know? I earned the shit, you know? I, I've been through great guys. I've been through Sambo World Champions, Kickboxing World Champions. A guy that was uh 14-win streak. The other guy was killing everybody on the division above. And I... I beat him the second round. So I earned this. 
and that's going to be my biggest power on this fight. I know I deserve to win this fight. I know I deserve a top 10 or top 5 opponent after that. And that's what's going to make difference on this fight. My will is going to be stronger than his because he know he didn't earn the shot. You know, he just got this fight because of his manager or, you know, Ali Abdelaziz and all these guys. And I know I earned this, this shot. So that's going to be my power against him. I dig it. So I usually like to end these things, as you know, with a prediction. So how's this one end in the cage come November 4th? <laughs> ah, it's hard. It's hard to give a prediction, you know, brother. <laughs> like, because, you know, because I'm fighting. So it's hard to do a prediction. <laughs> but if <laughs> I was going to do a prediction despite, I think I'm going to knock him out in the second round. So that's what I'm going to try to do all the time. I'm going to try to get my first knockout victory in the UFC and he's going to pay for that, you know? All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is Dan Ohio, who fights Abus Magomedov at UFC Sao Paulo. That fight is once again on November 4th. Kai, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for your time. And all right, and joining me today is Modestus Bukaskis, who fights Victor Petrino at UFC Sao Paulo, Brazil, on November 4th. So, Modestus, I got to start here. You know, you had a tough go of it your first time through the UFC, but now you're back. You, you powered back through two tough fights in Cage Warriors, and now you've ripped off two straight wins in the UFC. So my question for you is, you know, like, obviously you've got bigger goals than just these two wins, but is there a sense of satisfaction that you've kind of, like, you know, shown the haters or the naysayers, like, this is what I'm about now? Oh, yeah, 100%, mate. Trust me, that's that's one of the massive uh, logs on my fire, if you will. It, it, definitely, it definitely fuels me, especially when I got cut and, you know, obviously I had the really bad knee injury. A lot of people were telling me that I was never going to be able to compete in MMA again, and that was just the the the, the extra bit of motivation or, or, or the reason to be like, now, nah, hold on a minute. Like I'm going to show you what I'm all about. Like, clearly you don't know me if you think it's over for me. So, uh, you know, I feel like... I my first UFC run was just a learning curve. It was something that I needed to see where the actual holes in my game were. Now I feel like I'm I'm ready to take the shot at uh, at going for the belt. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm 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 not here to mess around. Um, I'm not here just to just to show about and be that guy who wins a couple, loses a couple. No, I'm here to be a superstar. And um, you know, I, I've seen I've seen guys like like Sean O'Malley, like you know do their thing and stuff like this. This was my path. You know, everyone's path is different. My path had to go this way, but I'm very thankful it did go this way because it's it's hard in my mind. It's made me the athlete I am today. It's made me correct a whole load of holes in my game. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful. And, and there's definitely the fire continues to keep burning. Absolutely. And I want to talk to you about that title picture too, because it's a real interesting. But before I do, you know, you mentioned the naysayers for you. A lot of that was medical, like wondering whether or not your knee could come back. Was it mostly just people saying that they didn't know if you could come back? Or, you know, were you one of those people dealing with, you know, loads of trolls online and stuff like that too? Yeah, there, 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 there was a lot of both, actually. There was a lot of guys saying that I would never come back. He's finished. or oh, he wasn't good enough for the UFC anyways and stuff like this. You know, in all fairness, I did get a bit of support. You know, guys saying, oh, but he probably should have won that Oleg Shaychuk fight. But a lot of guys saying, oh, yeah, but he would, he would never be a guy that that uh, that would win the belt and and blah, blah, blah. So I had a, had a, I had a mixed bag, but I definitely had a massive drop of support. 
Um, I went from like 13 point something thousand followers down to 11,000 followers on Instagram. Like it's just mad to just show you how fickle people are these days. And it's like, if you're not in the spotlight being, I was even trying to do YouTube videos, like just to get, like keep my mind off everything, stay positive, like, you know, show people how my recovery is going. And I ain't going to lie to you, bro. No one really give a shit. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think people were just kind of like, ah, whatever, he's at the UFC, he's done, there, there's nothing to it. It's mad because now more people are paying attention um, just because I've managed to kind of, you know, prove all them wrong. And uh, there's a lot more proving wrong yet, yet still to be done. Yeah, and those followers have gone way up afterwards, too. I, I feel like it's worth noting you're up to almost 18,000 now. So the fickle have returned, so to speak. And yeah. a, a lot of it is those two wins, right? And not only did you pick up two incredible wins, but you did it on their soil, right? Zach Ponga, a guy not from that far away from Vegas, has trained in Vegas a bunch. Tyson Pedro, a guy from Australia who you beat in Australia. Now you got Vitor Petrino in Brazil. Is that kind of just going to become your thing? Are you just the guy going to hunt people down on their home territory? I mean, there is something quite savage about that, isn't that? You know what I mean? It's like I'm going on horseback, you know, with my sword and my shield and my freaking my, my, my spear and going out into enemy land and trying to take over. Do you know what I mean? Trying to chop the head off the king and, you know, present it to his people sort of sort of vibes. Do you know what I mean? Like proper warrior, warrior spirit. Um I mean, it's really cool. I get to see, you know, loads of part of the world that I haven't seen before. Australia was a beautiful country. Obviously, Vegas, I've been there before. I had to actually beat a lot of demons uh, fighting at the Apex again because obviously that's where the the knee injury happened. Um, but now I get to go to Brazil, another beautiful country, beautiful climate. I get to top up the town when I'm out there as well. Um, I, I wouldn't want to exactly say I want to make it like sort of a... I like fighting somewhere else and, you know, like, like I say, the primal sort of thing about going into another man's land and taking what's taking what's yours. Um, but I feel like fighting three times in, in a country outside of mine, if they do another London card at the beginning of next year with a massive win here, I've, that's got to be my spot earned. Do you know what I'm saying? So that would be something that really means a hell of a lot to me because... I remember writing it on my vision board or somewhere in my in my notes somewhere like is my dream to fight the O2 in front of a hometown crowd. And I don't know if anyone the English uh followers will, will know about gigs talking the hardest. It's, it's it's my entrance tune, and that is like an old school banger. You have that playing out in the speakers out in the O2, mate. It's, there's gonna be an absolute frenzy. Like people are gonna be going mad. Like in all fairness, it's gonna get everyone like feeling very violent, even in the stands, which I don't know, maybe maybe not such a good thing, but um but yeah, man, as much as I enjoy going to another uh, another land and conquering, uh, I do want to fight in home, uh, on hometown so soil also. And like I say, after a big win here, I definitely would have earned the right to do that. Absolutely. I think so, too. And, and I got to ask, too, because you mentioned just hostile crowd, right? And you, you mentioned getting a little violent in the crowd. I know when I talked to you after, you know, you picked up the big win in Perth, you said the Aussies were mostly a kind of calmer people and they were mostly nice and respectful mm -hmm. at the end of the day. <laughs> you're going to brazil which is notorious for it mm -hmm. uh, have you thought at all about you know kind of the, the hostile energy that is uh yeah. a brazilian crowd yeah i know i'm definitely not going to be greeted uh with such a warm energy i mean but look when i went to australia as well i mean although the people were lovely they were still booing me mm -hmm. do you know what i mean they were booing me when i was i was out doing the weigh-ins they were booing me when i walked out um in in, in into the arena 
when I won the fight and beat their guy, they were they were really respectful. Now, will I get the same reception here if I beat their guy? I mean, who, who knows? But I feel like Australia was a little bit of a taste, a little small taste as to what is to come. I know it's going to be amplified, you know, going to Brazil um, because they, they get very behind their people. It's, it's kind of nice to see that there's so much energy and like, you know, support for their hometown crowd. Like that for me, just it like makes me, it like kind of gives me more energy because I'm like, bloody hell, they really love this sport out here. So I'm going to go out here, you know, it's almost like a gladiator. Do you know what I mean? I, I love, I love that quote all the time. You, you know, you win the crowd, you win your freedom. So this is my chance to win my freedom out here. Do you know what I mean? I've got to win over the crowd. How do you do that? Put on a spectacular performance, go and take out their guy, you know, be gracious in, 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 in victory and then uh and then and then move on and conquer more land so uh yeah mate like i say i'm i'm just fully ready to embrace everything that comes with it uh i know it'll be hostile but i feel like now i thrive more in those situations i love that now i, I want to talk to you about the stylistic match of fighting Dieter petrino and obviously his prospect status and all that but before i do i want to talk to you about the title picture because like you said you know, light heavyweight's one of those divisions. You rip off a couple of huge wins, and all of a sudden you're right in the thick of things, especially because yeah. it's been really volatile at the top. There's been, <laughs> you know, a title dropped, uh, then a draw, and then a guy got mm -hmm. injured, and then it's dropped again. And now we're talking about a pretty exciting title fight coming up next. G give us kind of your thoughts on what the top of the division looks like and what you think of that upcoming mm -hmm. title fight. Yeah, so obviously Prohaska and Pereira – uh, well earned by Pereira, obviously being the middleweight champion, and then obviously beating a top contender in Jan Blahovic. Um, I do, we don't know what Yuri's going to be like coming off a shoulder injury, but if if I'm judging it based off of off of his previous performances, he's very erratic and and like and like crazy with his movements. But when he gets going, boy, does he get moving. He's got different angles that not many people see. You know, Pereira is very powerful and very good, but you know who knows? Yuri may throw up some some crazy takedown, throw up some kicks from do some weird angles. So from that perspective, I think the uh, unorthodox nature of um, Prohaska will probably give him the win in that fight, whether it be a decision or a finish. And you can see he's got that dog in him. Do you know what I mean? He he doesn't want to quit. He wants to keep going. Both of those guys. It's going to be an extremely explosive fight. And I'm really uh, obviously looking forward to that. Um, I believe another fight in that mix is also Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. That's going to be a very interesting fight to see. Uh, I do believe that it's it's almost a similar thing where Ankalaev is a bit more the technical striker from Southpaw, whereas Johnny Walker is a bit more crazy. He's he's kind of calmed his game down a bit. He's become a bit more methodical. Obviously, I do, you know, in my personal opinion, I do see Ankalaev uh, taking that fight just from. Uh, his his precious style, his southpaw stance, and you know his grappling prowess. So, you know, there's a lot of exciting fights uh, at the top of the, the uh, at the top of the division. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's great to see all the top 15 fights, you know, unfold, and it's becoming a lot more interesting as a division as a whole, uh, especially the guys within the top 15, which is obviously some, uh, which is where I'm going to be working towards, you know, fight after fight. Right. And, and in order to get there, this fight is going to be a huge piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about fighting Theodore Petrino. He's a guy who people have kind of touted as like a big prospect, a big up-and-comer. Not that you haven't turned away a couple of those already as it is, but like people are big on him because of the punching power, seemingly that being his biggest strength. What do you personally think of his game and how it matches up with yours? 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's clearly very talented, very athletic, young, uh, explosive, very explosive, especially on the on the ground, um, on the ground aspects. Like he's able to escape out of certain positions um, using using technique and explosion, putting those two together with the blend. You know, what I mean, he he seems to have some wrestling that he has, so he seems. Obviously, all rounded, but his main strength is obviously his striking, his Thai sort of style. Um, one thing that that I think you know, with me and him, is that you know my movement, my experience, uh, my my different like array of techniques that I'm going to be able to throw. I'm definitely think it's going to be able to throw him off. You know, uh, he comes in very hard and fast, uh, especially very early on. Uh, he seems later on to sort of uh, tire in in the later rounds, especially if you go into a bit of a crazy sort of exchange. Um, it, what can I say? He's a very good fighter. He's an up and coming prospect, but it's uh, it's my time now. You know, I'm here to to take away his shine. You know, he, he's he's a very good fighter, um, but it's my job to at the end of the day take him out and move on towards uh, bigger and better things and. Um, He's going to have his home court advantage, um, but I'm definitely going to have the experience advantage. And at the end of the day, I've got to take it to him. In his home country, the only way you're going to beat a guy like that is to take it to him. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. All right. Well, I usually like to end these things with a prediction. Then tell me what's it look like when you take it to him come November 4th. I'm going to I'm going to throw everything out of the bag. Um, I'm going to fight with full ferocity, full energy, uh, full explosion. Two Titans are going to clash. Uh as I say, it's going to be two very explosive, uh, very two very explosive styles, an absolute barn burner. But it's only going to end with one thing, which is me getting my hand raised. I do believe I'm going to finish him, um, probably within, probably by the second round, if not the third. But I'm going out there to finish him, man. At the end of the day, he's going out there to finish me. I'm going out there to finish him. So the only thing that I'm going to say is I'm going to go and finish him. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Modestus Bukowskis, who fights Vitor Petrino. Once again, that fight is at UFC Sao Paulo on November 4th. Modestus, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. My man, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, brother. Always good speaking to you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Modestus Bukowskis and Kai Bohio. I once again am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave. We are heading down to Brazil this weekend for UFC Sao Paulo. So I'll just ask you this question. Tons of young, exciting, up-and-coming Brazilians on this card. Which one are you the most excited to see fight? Uh, I guess, honestly, I mean, there's it, Brazil never short on prospects. And right now, I, I feel like, you know, the three that are fighting this weekend, like Bohio, Bonfim, uh, the younger one, Bonfim, and Jelton Almeida, they're all there. So... I'm excited to see all of them, but gun to my head, I guess it's Jelton Almeida. How about you? Yeah, it's Jelton Almeida for me. I mean, I, I think he could be the uncrowned heavyweight champ right now. I think he could have won the championship at light heavyweight if he wanted to. So, of course, it's him. Uh, there's other exciting ones further down in the card, too. Elves Brenner is, is a really sick fighter. Uh, obviously, the opponent switch is less fun. But, yeah, there, there's tons of Brazilians, and we should just get into breaking them down. All right. I like it. Let's get into our favorite segment on the show. It's Fights Dogs Parlays for UFC Sao Paulo. But before we get into it, Gumby, I'm wondering if anyone sponsors this edition of Fights Dogs and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights Dogs and Parlays brought to you by X Marshall. If you want to pick up some of the best gear in martial arts, you got to check out X Marshall from rash guards to short streetwear to training equipment. They've got you covered. X Marshall is one of the fastest growing brands out there and for a reason. 
The quality of their product is second to none. They're taking style to the next level, and they really do have a design for every taste and personality. So go check them out at xmarshall.com and use discount code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off everything in the store. All right, so fun main event here at Heavyweight Yelton Almeida, a minus 530 favorite to Derek Lewis, a plus 380 dog. But we know when Derek Lewis is a plus 380 dog, that means he's going to win by knockout. It's just <laughs> the way the world works. I'm so sorry. No, I actually really like Almeida here, but we know Lewis is the live dog. He's coming off a win over Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Jelton Almeida, he is undefeated in the UFC since debuting at Dana White's Contender Series, coming off a big Runeke Choke win over Jerzinho Ruizenstruck. Who you got here? I mean, you got to go with Almeida. The beauty of what he does is he shoots a takedown in the first 15 seconds, no matter what. And with Derek Lewis, that means if he doesn't time that first takedown, I think he's shit out of luck here because people talk about Derek Lewis, you know, in his just stand up mentality. And he just like, you know, thinks jujitsu doesn't exist. But I got bad news here because Jelton Almeida's top game jujitsu and where he holds people in position is some of the best I've ever seen at heavyweight in the history of heavyweight. And that's including guys like Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin and dudes like that. I think the way he holds people down is devastating. I think it's going to wear out Derek Lewis. And more importantly, I think the submission game's there. So give me Jelton Almeida all day here. Yeah, same with me. I'm not going to fight you on it. Gabriel Bonfim is a minus 530 favorite. Nicholas Dalby, a plus 380 dog. Dalby as the dog, interesting. Three-fight win streak, but certainly going into the lion's den, so to speak. In the UFC total, he's 5-1-1. One, and one. His only loss came to Tim Means. Bonfim has looked great. Uh, guillotine chokes, uh, shoulder pressure choke uh, since debuting in Dana White's Contender Series. 3-0 in the UFC, a 3-1 to one favorite here. Who you got? I- I'm definitely going with Gabriel Bonfim. I think the odds are pretty high here, but I think for with reason. Like Gabriel Bonfim puts a pace on people, gets in their face, dares them to trade punches with him. And the thing about Nicholas Dalby is he's willing to do that all the time. However, here's the thing about Nicholas Dalby. Outside of some wins in cage warriors in between his two stints in the UFC, not really a finisher, right? Like almost all of his fights in the UFC have gone to decision um, with the exception of the fact that he he lost by submission to Jesse Ronson, although that fight got overturned due to some uh, some drug testing. But if you're getting submitted by Jesse Ronson, I got bad news against Gabriel Bonfim. That dude is going to be in your face. He's going to be looking for those subs. And I think he gets one here. All right, uh, Cowboy Bohio, minus 315 favorite to Abbas Magomedov, a plus 240 dog. Uh, our boy, B. Ohio, Bohio, uh, is undefeated in the UFC. He uh, has two wins on contender series and then four wins in UFC regular, in regular UFC, but altogether it's 6 and 0 under the UFC banner. He's coming off a rear naked choke uh, victory back in April. Who you got here? I'm going with Cabo Ohio. I, look, I, I recognize that Abus Magomedov has fought weird polar opposites in the UFC. His two fights have come against the lowest of the low. And then Sean Strickland, the literal champion right now. I just think that his biggest problem is he didn't have a gas tank against Sean Strickland. And against a guy like Cabo Ohio, who is going to bring that wrestling game, who is going to bring that pressure, who is going to put you up against the cage and make you work, I don't think he's got the the stamina to go even 10 minutes with him, never, never mind 15 minutes. And the fact that Kaibo Ohio, despite not getting finishes in his first few fights in the UFC, is really dangerous. He is a finisher. We saw it before he was in the UFC. I think that finish is going to be there for him very often. So I'm going to go with a trio of favorites here. But I think that's kind of how the Sao Paulo main card is shaking out. All right. We'll wrap all this up with a couple of rapid fire picks here. Our underdog of the week is Modestus Bakakis, 
a plus 185, and then our parlay to play. So listen, people, our dog of the week is Bokaskis, but the parlay to play is Mark Diacasey and Eduardo Mora. Pair them together, Mark Diacasey a minus 145 and Eduardo Mora a minus 500. It does get you slight plus odds at plus 103. Give us that breakdown. So I'm going to go with Modestus Bukaskis here against Vitor Petrino. Petrino, big power puncher. I don't think he can handle the craft of the game of Modestus Bukaskis. He's kind of a knockout or lose kind of guy here, Vitor Petrino is. And I think Bukaskis just brings enough of the game. Mark Diacasey, I think, is going to wear out Kawe Fernandez. Fernandez taking this fight on short notice up against the guy who wrestles well in Dia Casey. And I also just think Eduardo Mora, she is a value to throw in every single parlay because she is just going to absolutely bulldoze Montserrat Ruiz. So let's get plus money in both those spots. Boom. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview, or we hope you enjoyed that segment of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Gumby, we're having a party here. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition now to my final interview of the week, the one with Vince Pichel, who is getting ready to go down to Brazil, enemy territory, and fight at UFC Sao Paulo. We're going to get to that content for you right now. All right, enjoy me today is Vince Michelle, who fights Ishmael Bonfim at UFC Sao Paulo. That fight is on November 4th. So, Vince, I wanted to start here. You know, by the time we get to fight week, we're going to be 19 months out of the cage for you. I know you're a guy who likes to stay active, and that's most likely frustrating. What has this time been like away from the cage for you? Honestly, it's just been same shit, different day, man. Like, I'm sure people, people are going to comment me about ring ruts or whatnot, but these motherfuckers don't realize I'm a fighter, man. I, I'm like, I'm trained to be a fighter, but I was born an actual fighter. I'm I'm just that rare breed who came in here, right? Like, I got in the UFC with, like, what, five years? After five years of training, I was in the UFC, and I've been there ever since, just excelling. So that's just, that's just who I am, and I don't know, man, like, I, I'm not the I'm not the kind of person who like even though I'm out of fighting I'm not out of the gym I'm still in the gym I'm still training, you know I do take my days here and there and whatnot but I'm constantly in the gym and always always working and and it's just something that I'll that I'll never not know you know what I mean I'll never not be that guy who's always active or doing something I'm a firm believer and if you don't use it you lose it and so I'm just I'm I'm running I'm running this motherfucker to the wheels fall off man my my goal is my goal is not to not to be sitting in that coffin perfectly preserved. I'm trying to get into that bitch half half together and half apart, you know what I mean? I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to come in and, and just ride this bitch of the wheels fall off. I love it. Now, you know, I know there were some fights in between there too that you were supposed to have and they fell apart for various reasons. I know maybe yeah. dinged up on your side a bit too. I, I, am I correct in assuming then if you you feel like it's kind of been status quo that they were just little blips that took you out of the fight and you've been able to train through most of it? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it's been, man. And so, well, besides the fight, uh, what was it? What was this? I was supposed to fight Jesse Ronson, and I want to say, uh, what do you, what the hell year? Twenty two when I fought Madison, I lost, and I was supposed to fight Jesse Ronson that later that year. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna get two fights in a year, right? I was kind of like, I was like using everybody on, on Twitter and shit, like, oh, you guys are gonna get two fights in this year. You better, not, you better not fucking miss it, you know? Because I'm like the one year fighter kind of guy. And then I get injured. Um, I got injured in that camp. I, I actually injured my hip again. I've had hip surgery on my left hip in 2019, I believe. And then uh, that was like, I think I had December, December something. I had hip surgery. And then I fought Jim Miller on like 10 days notice in August, right after my surgery. And so I got injured, had to pull that Jesse Rollinson fight. And I had it in my head that I had had that same timeline. I'm going to fight eight to 10 months later. And so uh, I was hitting him with He's like, yeah, we got a guy for you, St. Denise. I was like, cool, let's fucking take it. I love that fight. Let's do it. 
literally the day my fight got announced, I, I accepted the fight. And then like a week later, literally the day my, my fight got announced, I ended up pulling my back, um, which wasn't like a very, it wasn't like a, a huge injury, nothing that like, you know, it would really put me out, but it was enough to take me out of the gym for, for too long. And, and I didn't want to go into that fight unprepared, right? Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into a fight half-assed. I'm going to go there and make sure that that guy's got my all, right? Like, because if he beats me, like, he fucking deserves it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that kind of guy who's going to go in there and just, I, I need money, and I'm just going to go out there and fight whoever. And so I pulled out of that fight. I was hoping I'd get that one back. I asked if he wanted to go later on in the year, but he didn't want to. I'm not sure if he needs the money or what. But So that that was like kind of like the story of it right there. I had that hip surgery, and my, my hip surgery was pretty bad this time. I had to get my whole hip, like, basically reconstructed on my left side. Um, my hip's good now, and, and you know, man, injured my back. Nothing major. I, I got that taken care of now, and now my mobility and my my active recovery and stuff after training is is even even more important to me than than almost training sometimes, right? Like I'm always trying to just make sure my body's in shape. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend there's not an elephant in the room. I I'm 40 years old. I'm gonna be 41 then in November. So, like, I'm definitely getting up there in age, and and everyone's asking when I'm gonna retire and whatnot. But I don't know, man. My body feels good right now, and and I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling dangerous, and I can't wait to just go out there and be violent again. That's awesome to hear. Now, I want to ask, too, about, you know, you've talked about your longevity. You know, you are a guy who is stuck around in the UFC longer than most people. If if we want to really peel it back, we're looking at 11 years almost since you were on The Ultimate Fighter. Actually, we're over yeah. 11 years right now since you were on The Ultimate Fighter. A weird yeah. season, too, that was, like, live. And, like, so so tell me, like, looking back all that time, back to a time when you were, you know, doing something that was experimental is it crazy to think that, like, this is still running? Like, I, I know you said, you know, you, you want to run this thing that the wheels fell off, but not a lot of people get that choice. Yeah, I know. And, and you know what I mean? There's there's different reasons why people kind of, like, fall off and, and what have you. And I think I've just been really fortunate, man. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of – I've dealt with a lot of bad things in my life, and I feel like this is just the universe balancing things out for me. <laughs> And, uh, you know what I mean? I'm out there just doing my job. And I, luckily I've, I've had a really good relationship with, with the UFC and, and the people and Sean Shelby, right? And all the matchmakers, the other matchmakers, Joe Silva, right? And, and whatnot and all the suits. And so, uh, I don't know, man. I, I've sometimes I, I don't, sometimes I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what's, what's kept me there and why they haven't cut me besides, you know what I mean? They, they like something, there's something about me that, that they just, they like. And so, I'm just out here still still giving them the reason to like me, you know what I mean? Like and, and that'll never change for me. But I definitely have been thinking about it a lot and it's kinda of crazy that the Ultimate Fighter Ultimate Fighter's still going around. They got the contender series now and yeah, man, being on the Ultimate Fighter is pretty nuts. They still haven't done they've have never done another live season like they did with me, which is kinda of nuts. But uh yeah, definitely fucking definitely like a, a humbling and, and very rewarding uh thing to look back at, at all the stuff I've been through and got to do because of fighting in the UFC. So I don't see really like I thank them every chance I get because without them I don't I don't know where I'd be right now I'd probably be someone you don't want to see in a dark alley. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you who who doesn't want to see somebody in a dark alley and or in a dark cage for that matter, and that's Ishmael Bonfim fighting you. Now, mm. before we get to talking about this fight breakdown, I want to ask you because you you fought a lot in Vegas, right? You you spent a lot of your time actually in North America. You know, you you traveled mm -hmm. around Vegas. You had a fight in Georgia one time, Minnesota, but it's a lot of Vegas, right? 
a little bit of New York. Yeah, I think I think I've only fought New Zealand outside the country. Right, and that's what I was going to ask you too. Right, like the one fight outside Auckland, New Zealand, and you fought a local boy, right? Like you fought Damian Brown. So yeah, yeah. now here it is again. You're leaving the country for you know the second time since you've been in the UFC, and look, what, they got you again. They got you a local guy. What's sort of your thought about being, you know, playing the spoiler, being the guy who's going into enemy territory to to fuck shit up? <laughs> I'm going to the motherland to go kill the king and take his shit is what I'm going to go do. That's my mentality with it. I I, I don't really have uh, all the fights that I've had in Vegas and in the states have have actually just been the UFC. Man, they 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 offer me a fight and I just take it. I don't think I've even the only fight I've ever denied was uh, Nazareth Harpquist, whatever his name is when uh, Madsen tried to pull out of our fight the first time. And it, the only reason I denied it is because there's nothing to win. There's nothing to gain by beating him besides money. And so, like, I, I'm not the kind of guy, like, yeah, the money's nice, but I have, like, a moral code in me that won't allow me to do things, won't allow me to do certain things. And, and to to take that fight just for money wasn't, like, an interest in me, so I didn't take that, right? And immediately, if I would have beat that, dude, that would have been an easy 100K for me, honestly. Like, that's an easy fight for me, that Harp West kid. But, you know, I mean, that, that's just how I am. And so that's my same mentality, man. And my only fight that I had outside the country, I knocked out David Brown the first round in like, you know, in two or three minutes or whatever. So I'm kind of uh, going out there with my back against the wall to do the same thing. I love that. And, and now I got to ask, too, because, you know, in Australia or New Zealand or down under, wherever we want to talk about, the crowds are for their fighters, right? Like, similarly, if you're in London, you're fighting an English guy. The crowds are for their oh, yeah. fighters. But in Brazil, we're... Too. Yeah, but in Brazil, we're talking about hostile people, right? Like, hostile crowds, they're notorious for their chants and all this stuff like that. What, what are kind of your thoughts on, on getting to see that environment for the first time in your career? I'm excited, man. I love when people want to kill me. It makes me it makes me happy, man, when people just want to take me out because I'm still here, motherfuckers. <laughs> but everyone that's trying to take me out isn't. So, like, I don't know. I think that's definitely a fear that they have, right? Like, I'm like I'm sure he thinks I'm just gonna be an older guy, a little slower, and he's gonna he's gonna probably just mow through me. But he doesn't know, man. I'm not I'm older, but I'm not slower. I'm not I'm not slowing down. I in the gym, my the team, the average team, the average age of my team is 23 years old. When I'm in there, you would think they're the old man because I wear them out. Like it's kind of I, I don't know I don't know why I was given these gifts why I was born with these gifts, but I'm abusing the shit out of them and, and I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off and, and he's going to be no different. I'm expecting it to a first round of maybe even a second round, but after that, I'm just going to steamroll him like I do and outwit him and out hit him. I love that. So, so we, you talked about him coming out of the gate hard, right? Like you said, it might be a tough first round or second round. Cause that's kind of what he did, but let's talk oh, about yeah. his last fight. Cause he was supposed to fight, you know, you were supposed to fight Benoit St. Denis. He winds up yeah. being the one to fight Benoit St. Denis. And he really struggled with the grappling. Is that kind of where you see your biggest advantage, or is it just kind of domination everywhere for you here? I feel like I'm good everywhere. Like, he's a good boxer. I'm not trying to take away any of his skills. He's actually a, he's a dangerous guy. He's got power, right? So, And, and he's got good knees. He, he throws kicks every once in a while. And he does shoot for takedowns if he feels you know, comfortable doing it. But that all that depends on him being comfortable in the fight. And I guarantee you he's not going to be comfortable in there with me. That is my home. That is That is my house. And he's coming in to try to, you know, I mean, even though I'm going to Brazil, he's trying to invade my home. And good fucking luck, motherfucker, is all I'm going to say. All right. Well, that usually brings me to my last question, which is I like to get a prediction out of every fighter. So how's this one end? Comes November 4th down in Sao Paulo. 
I'm looking to I'm looking to put him out in the second round. I'm looking to knock him out in the second round. If it if it goes past if it goes past the second round, I'll, I might I might motherfuck him with some grappling and you know let him know he doesn't belong there with me. But it's gonna be um it's gonna be pretty one sided the whole time. All right, well you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Fitzpatrick who fights Ishmael Bonfim at UFC Sao Paulo. Once again, that fight is on November fourth. Vince, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Hard Hydration and X Marshall. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Danny Goodby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.